Hey Z, thanks for checking out the station. Uh, I called in and then I deleted my call in accidentally. Whoops. Yeah, this first of all, let's just say the Anchor app on Android is is a challenge. I mean, I love the platform, and that's the only reason I use Anchor as much as I do. Um, but as far as the bugs, the freezing, like yeah, we can't archive at all, and like you can only do stations now. But then that's just publicly viewed. There's no drafts folder. Um, you know, editing capability is slim. Like, there's just, there is a 101 problems <laughs> with the app. Um, but I try not to be too negative on it uh, because I understand it's newer, it's a small team, and they've done great things, and this is a brilliant idea. So, like, that compensates. And, like I said, I love it enough to where I can, I can suffer through all the phone freezes and crashes and everything else uh, just to try and get my thoughts across. But I agree with you 100% about, I mean, your advice is 100% spot on about appreciating all emotions. Um, you're going to hear me, I guess, talk a lot about happiness because everything in my life leads me back to my happiness. My anger, my sadness, my um, fear and my pain, it all leads back to my happiness because it's all part of the human experience. So I'm biased really hard towards happiness, but that's because I just never let anything touch my happiness. I feel all things, but none of them affect me in a way that people ex expect emotions to affect somebody. So like when I feel sad, I'm saddened, but my happiness is not affected. So I don't act sad like people would expect me to act, right? So it's really hard to communicate those kind of ideas though, And but your advice is well taken and 100% correct in my estimation. Typically, I regret promoting anyone or anything, but I just can't help myself. Anchor is going to take over social media. And if, if not Anchor, something like Anchor is going to take over. The reason I can say, with, say this with such a plume, with such confidence, is simply because of Generation X and, um, and the baby boomers. Yeah, they, they're getting old. They can't see the computer screen. Uh, these little digital devices and compu computer screens uh, are give, giving headaches and um, and we're going to have to move on to this uh, platform of hearing which is awesome too because uh, Generation X and Baby Boomers have a lot to do before they kick the can and probably standing in front of the computer, sitting in front of the computer um, eventually becomes evident that it's not the right thing to do. You don't have much time left. So, bravo, Anchor, and I hope I don't regret promoting you. Ronnie brought something up that I thought was really interesting. <clears throat> it may be that the new generation or the younger generation is sensitive to certain approaches like yelling or, or emotional ex expressions of, of anger um, or frustration. 
And she was saying how uh, this is probably a generational thing. Because Generation X and um, the baby boomers, we really did grow up in an era of yelling and being yelled at. Um, as comedians like Don Rickles and even later on like Chris Rock uh, they're all yelling and they're all screaming and, and uh, my generation the uh, Gen X or baby booming generation don't seem to be as sensitive to it so interesting I mean are there any popular comedians right now that are yelling at their audiences and, and putting their audiences down for the sake of comedy I don't know if there are any right now I mean with Louis C.K. he sort of uh, championed the self-degradation uh, approach of comedy and I'm wondering if even that is starting to fade in popularity. I just hope that we're not separating happiness from fear and anger and all those other emotions because they're all tied together. It's through seeing the comedy in horrible acts that really allow us to move on. But, you know, perhaps as a species, we've become retired of being put down, of being yelled at. But from here, are we going to move forward or are we just going to go backwards into the 80s? The, what I like to call the affirmation 80s era. I'm a good person. People like me. Refuse all negative stimuli. Embrace your pretend world. For some reason the phrase, a wolf in sheep's clothing, comes to mind. Well, as I've said many times on this station, beware of eloquent speakers. And for some reason my brain just went to Reverend Fred Rogers. You know, Mr. Rogers, Rogers Neighborhood, Mr. Rogers, remember him? I really love Mr. Rogers. I think he is the only person that was genuine in his approach. Kind of came off like a child molester, but um, turned out there's never a record of him molesting children. He was a Christian uh, preacher or reverend, he, uh, but he never preached. Not once did I ever hear him talk about God or Jesus or any of that kind of bullshit. Fred Rogers took the best of what is Christian and embodied it. If other Christians did that, they would never ever have any problems. So as much as I love Fred Rogers, it was a children's show. As adults, we should be quite used to and be able to appreciate being yelled at, 
being reprimanded. We need to be we need to be okay with that as adults. I know you get enough of that from your job, yada yada. Old paradigms are hard to break. Integrity Radio. I'm raising three boys, and it's quite an interesting experiment or um, observation to see one these kids are around other kids um, to see who is most popular. The youngest one is the most popular. He's always happy, very positive, and, um, you know, believes that anything is possible, regardless of what I tell him. And everyone likes him. In fact, uh, when he goes off to camp or school, we usually have the teachers and counselors say what a joy it was to be in his presence. Then we have the middle kid, and he's mostly in his head, and, uh, yeah, kind of smart, but not very um, capable of communicating his intelligence, but no doubt about it, he's a smart kid, and um, this works for him and against him. Uh, When he gets around other kids, when he decides that he wants everyone's attention, he pulls all the stops. He doesn't pull any stops. I don't know. I'm not saying that right. Pulls the stops or doesn't pull stops. I don't even know what that term means. I should just stop using it. Yeah, he just goes all out. He'll still do things like he'll do flips and somersaults and all kinds of stuff to show off and, uh, and attract people that he wants to attract so I would say he is um, he's probably the least popular but actually I think he gets the most quality um, friends you know and then there is the eldest and he might not be as popular but he seems to do really well with the ladies Notice that girls are, for some reason, um, you know, very attracted to him, and I and and I understand what those reasons are. He's a good-looking kid. Uh, I, I almost want to say guy now because he's like 16 years old. He's got more hair on his legs than I do, um, and he he has the potential to be very smart. And uh, I think that's what girls might like about him. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a girl, so I can't really say uh, (laughs) much about why uh, girls like him. But he—he's sort of a typical. I don't know if if it's safe to say a typical 16-year-old. You know, kind of more centered on himself. But I think he's getting out of that. I think he's getting out of that self centered or greed self that greed kind of uh, phase I I think he is getting out of that so it's really interesting to raise kids I never thought that I would I I truly never thought that I would and I've just been honored uh, with these three kids Um, and uh, 
Yeah. Now I know how parents can be proud of their children because uh, it's a lot of work raising kids, being raised by parents. Uh, it isn't easy, and there's a lot of trial and error. A lot of error. <laughs> a lot of trials. But it's totally worth it because it's a microcosm of all the issues that the world has, that we have, that we've had as children, that we're going to face in the future. Uh, a lot of the stuff you echo to your children, a lot of things you say to your children echo to yourself. Um, both your former, past, and present self. So, anyway, I love you guys, if you ever get to hear this. And, um, yeah, I really enjoy being a parent. Not that you asked for it, but I think this really encapsulates my personality and my whole approach. And I think if you understand my personality and my approach, you may be able to appreciate the things that I say infinitely more. Here it goes. The old saying, anything is possible. I can't stand it. It's wrong. Knock it off. And then you say, what a dick. What an idiot. No, it's, okay. It needs to be Nothing is impossible. You might say that the two are the same. No, they are not. You gotta pay attention to the language that we've agreed upon. That's a George Carlin line. Anything is impossible. No, nothing is impossible. This is not a right statement. And not even the gist of it is correct. Perhaps it's unknowingly dubious, but nonetheless dubious. You're going to accuse me of semantics. Oh, it's just semantics. Well, they're words and they mean something. And it, it's silly to not stick with the meaning of the words that you're using. So just in case I screwed that up, nothing is impossible. Now that's, that's correct. Nothing is impossible. And as far as the term impossible goes, nothing certainly seems to be impossible. Like how is there no thing? There's always something. Atoms, quarks. Anything is possible. No, come on. Anything is not possible. Nothing is impossible, however. It's all about the detail of the words and using them and sticking to the detail. Now, if you're just out trying to have fun and just talking, well, then I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about when you're trying to learn and when you're trying to grow and when you're trying to communicate important subject matter. Semantics then matter. The words and their meaning matter. Now, if I could just speak like Fred Rogers. Yeah. That would be way better. If I could say what I'm saying like Fred Rogers does. Integrity Radio.
Okay, still got that song stuck in my head. It won't go away. It's playing over and over and over for, I don't know, a week now. Turn your love around. Every man needs a woman. Turn your love around. Every woman needs a man. How am I going to get this out of my head? I hate the song. Never have liked the song. All right. Well, maybe if I play the song, maybe it will go away. Jesus. Integrity Radio. Okay, how embarrassing is that? That's not even Lionel Richie. It's George Benson. George Benson wrote, Turn Your Love Around. That also that sounds obscene. I mean, I'm, I'm no fundamentalist or anything, but that does even sound somewhat uh, obscene. But uh, maybe that did. Turn your love off. God! <clears throat> yeah, I definitely think that uh, we're, we're, I think we agree 100%. Um, and I think we're just saying it two different ways in terms of the way that it's, you know, really resonated with you with the way it, versus how it's resonated with me, you know, so it kind of all comes down to, you know, semantics, <laughs> like you were saying in an earlier segment, callback, um, yeah, the way I look at it is that my emotions aren't me, like I feel all my emotions, but they're not who I am, I don't get identity out of my emotions, so I let the emotions flow, and I let it all go. You know, so just being present and not allowing them to have dominance, kind of like you said in, in your topic title there, emotional control. You know, that's emotional control is not being your emotions, but feeling your emotions. So, hey, man, love interacting. Hope you have a great day. First smart got me thinking. Perhaps the frailty of our language is to, is that we agree with each other, yet our language allows us to appear as if we don't. I wonder if we've hit upon a universal truth there. Hmm. Integrity Radio. Hey, check out Furan Station. It's Japanese. I'm not Japanese, but I can still understand it. And it's cool. Uh... That station just played a whole bunch of Miles Davis's and some, you know, awesome music. So, great music. Great uh, commentary on uh, what's going on in Japan. So, uh, bang. Swappity boop, bop, ding, dang, bam. There it goes. Be well. And that song, of course, goes out to my life partner, Ronnie. I want a whole lot of love. Hey, Z here. This is a shout out to Gigi from Bright Beautiful World. And I heard her say idea of a powerful thought. She actually said idea of a powerful thought. But I love them both. Official True Media. That shit is dope. Check it out. <coughs> Science is not in, in principle committed to the idea that there's no afterlife or that the, the mind is identical to the brain right. or that 
materialism is true. Science is completely open to whatever, in fact, is true. And if it's true that the consciousness is being run like software on the brain and can, by virtue of ectoplasm or something else we don't understand, can be dissociated from the brain at death, that would be part of our growing scientific understanding of the world if we could discover it. Now, uh, and there's, there are ways we could, in fact, discover that if it were true. The problem is there are very good reasons to think it's not true. And we know this from now 150 years of neurology where you damage areas of the brain and faculties are lost. And they're clearly, it's not that everyone with brain damage is perf has their soul perfectly intact. They just can't get the words out. This is the, you, everything about your mind can be damaged by damaging the brain. You can cease to recognize faces, you can cease to know the names of animals, but you still know the names of tools. I mean, the, 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 the fragmentation in, in, in the way in which our, our mind is parcellated at the level of the brain is not at all intuitive, and, had, and there's a lot known about it. And what we're being asked to consider is that you damage one part of the brain and the mind, something about the mind and, and, and subjectivity is lost. You damage another and, and, and yet more is lost. And yet if you damage the whole thing at death, we can rise off the brain with all our faculties intact, recognizing grandma and speaking English. Now, bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. So say good night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Come on. Big way for the bad guy. There's a bad guy coming through. Better get out of his way. I'm gonna share with you now one of the most important discoveries, maybe the most important discovery of modern psychology. You see the iceberg on the left. Let's imagine that it represents the complete set of cognitive processes that are causally responsible for what we think, how we reason, how we form beliefs, and how we make decisions. Out of all this complex cognitive activity emerges our beliefs, judgments, decisions, and behavior. Notice that most of the iceberg is submerged below the waterline. In this picture, the waterline represents the distinction 
between conscious and unconscious cognitive processes. So what this image represents is that most of the cognitive processes that are causally responsible for what we think and how we behave are operating unconsciously. We don't have conscious access to them. We can't consciously observe them. They're operating below the surface, behind the scenes. In a way, this isn't news, in the sense that we've known about the importance of the unconscious since Freud. But what we're talking about here isn't connected to Freud's theory in any way. It's really a product of the modern cognitive revolution in psychology, which views brain functioning as a type of information processing activity. But it does have this very counterintuitive conclusion that, to a large extent, we're strangers to our own minds. Now, cognitive biases, like any other complex cognitive process, operate unconsciously as well. I'm not saying that all of our thinking is unconscious. That's clearly not true. What I'm saying is that the kinds of processes that result in biased judgments, like the ones we saw with the gambler's fallacy, typically have roots in cognitive processes that we have no conscious access to or control over. We might be able to consciously override a quick intuitive judgment when we're prepared for it. This is one way that training in cognitive biases can be helpful. But we have very little control over these quick intuitive judgments. These intuitions just happen to us. They bubble up from below the waterline, so to speak. So a consequence of this view is that we can't detect bias simply by inspecting or introspecting our conscious beliefs and reasoning. This is important to understand if we want to get into the right headspace to talk about debiasing strategies, which we'll be getting to later in this course. One of the biases that we're all prone to is a bias against viewing our own judgments as biased. I'm serious. This is a well-studied cognitive bias. It's known as bias bias or bias blind spot. One of the reasons for this bias is that we have a strong intuition that we know our own minds, that we're experts on the causes of our own beliefs and decisions. So if we can't detect the presence of bias in our own thinking, we conclude that it's not there. But this is a delusion. The truth is that, for the most part, we don't know our own minds. And we need to accept this if we're going to be truly open to the debiasing strategies that will...
the truth is inside of us and it's wonderful when we have the courage to tell it. What if I were very, very sad and all I did was smile? I wonder after a while what might become of my sadness. What if I were very, very angry and all I did was sit? and never think about it, what might become of my anger? Where would they go and what would they do if I couldn't let them out? Maybe I'd fall, maybe get sick or doubt. But what if I could know the truth and say just how I feel? I think I'd learn a lot that's real about freedom. I'm learning to sing a sad song when I'm sad. I'm learning to say I'm angry when I'm very mad. I'm learning to shout, I'm getting it out, I'm happy. Learning exactly how I feel inside of me. I'm learning to know the truth, I'm learning to tell the truth, discovering truth will make me free. Are you discovering the truth about you? Well, I'm still discovering the truth about me. That's what we do as we keep on growing in life. Man, women, 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 what do y'all want? What the fuck do y'all want? Do you know what you want? Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Do you know? What the fuck do women want? I know what you want. Everything. That's every woman's answer. Everything. Women want every fucking thing. Women act like life is just a big sale and shit. They want to get the most shit before things close down. That's how fucking life is to a woman. Everything. You know what men want? Do you know what men want? Food, sex, silence. That's it. That's it. Food, sex, silence. Feed me, fuck me, shut the fuck up. Our goals seem very attainable, don't they? Women, women, women. It's hard to figure women out. It's so hard being a guy. Now, we always think we could buy sex. Like, if I take it here, she give me some. If I buy this, she give me some. Should nothing get you none. Should a woman know if she's gonna fuck you within the first five minutes of meeting you? Women know right away. They shaking hands like, I'm gonna fuck him. I hope he don't say nothing too stupid. That's right, fellas, don't say nothing too stupid because women are all about the mood. If she's in the mood to fuck you, shut up, let it happen. Because if you say the wrong thing, them panties are coming up mighty fast. What'd you say?
she'd be on the phone with a girlfriend. Yeah, child, I was gonna give her some. But he just started talking. Yakety yak, 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 yak. I hate a yakking man, child. Right, man. Relationships, easy to get into, hard to maintain. Why is it so hard to maintain? Because it's hard to keep up the lie. It's like, because you can't get nobody being you. You got to lie to get somebody. You can't get nobody looking like you look, acting like you act, sounding like you sound. That's right, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're not meeting them, you're meeting their representative. That's right. That's right. Who's the biggest liars? Men or women? Women tell the biggest lies. Men, we lie all the time. We lie so much it's damn near language. It's like to, to call a man out for lying is like playing basketball with a retarded kid and calling him for devil dribble. You gotta let some shit slide. You just gotta let some shit slide. Men, we lie all the time. We lie all the time. You know what a man's lies like? A man's lies like, I'm at, I was at Tony's house. I'm at Kenny House. That's a man's lie. A woman's lie is like, it's your baby. <laughs> well, we've all heard that one. And hey, the baby don't even look like me. Oh, he's got your hat. <laughs> That's right. Who's the biggest lies? Women, the biggest lies. Biggest lies. Look at you. All of you, you're lying, you're a fucking liar. You, 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 you. You a liar, you a liar. You're all liars, all of you fucking liars. Masters of the lie, the visual lie. Look at you. You got on heels, you ain't that tall. You got on makeup, your face don't look like that. You got a weave, your hair ain't that long. You got a wonder bra on, your titties ain't that big. Everything about you is a lie, and you expect me to tell the truth. Fuck you. The best way to get out of procrastinating is by telling everybody what you're supposed to do. So that's what I do. I'm supposed to be setting up the gear to record music for our new act, which is coming up very quickly. And, uh, yeah, procrastination is set in. But no longer I have taken the first step. <laughs> Integrity Radio. Ho, BTW. Doesn't sound right. You wouldn't know that that meant by the way, would you? I would. If you want to engage in the art of self correction, of developing and maintaining a center line, come check out www.sifuzi.com. S I F U Z.com. I think you need the triple W's in front of that for it to actually work. Don't know why, really. 
<clears throat> now, Integrity Radio. Oh my goodness, my heart is beating out of my chest. <laughs> I'm going to play you a segment of Patrick's from The Great Everything. And, um, and then after you hear that segment, I'm going to create a segment afterwards. And uh, I'll meet you on the other side. Integrity Radio. Hey, by the way, thanks for listening. Okay, this story without a punchline actually does have a punchline, and the punchline is within the detail. Let me tell the, the story as I've heard it. A woman is at an airline, has just uh, bought herself a, a bag of potato chips. And she grabs the chips and sits down in the lobby and waits for her flight. And as, uh, as she's getting herself prepared and whatnot, she grabs her chips, has a chip, and you know, starts sort of looking at a magazine and uh, notices that a guy next to her also is, took a chip out of her bag. And, uh, well, she's rather uh, surprised by that, but um, she kind of kept reading her magazine and took a chip out of the bag looking at him, kind of a little perturbed, but nonetheless, not, no big deal. And uh, so then he act, she's looking out the corner of her eye. She sees him just blatantly grab a chip out of the bag, eats it. She's hardly able to read her magazine anymore. She kind of looks at this guy. He's kind of just shaking her head. Like, <laughs> you know, like, my God, what's up with this guy? So she grabs uh, another chip, even another chip, and for that matter, and, and uh, eats and <sighs> tries to get back to her magazine. She's turning to the magazine. Looks again, yep, sure enough, he, he takes another chip out of the bag. She's like, oh my God, she's about to lose it, all right? So, she gets another chip, eats it, and of course he grabs another, he grabs the whole bag, looks at it, there's only one chip left in there. He hands her the bag, as if to gesture here, you have the last chip. She swipes the bag from him, <laughs> takes the last chip. Oh, and all of a sudden her, her flight arrives. It's time for her to get her stuff. And as she gets up, she realizes that she has a bag of potato chips. See, there is a punchline and you have to pay attention to the details. Integrity Radio. America and Americans suffer from an old institution, and that's the institution of people that are slightly smarter, and I do mean slightly smarter, than a group of another people get to dominate and manipulate the slightly less intelligent. And this has been going on for a long time. I mean, think about it. 
Capitalism almost depends on that, that, that concept. You don't know how to do something. You're ignorant to how something works. And someone that does know how uh, will charge you for it. I mean, whatever happened to give a man a seed to teach him how to plant and he'll have crops forever sort of a thing. The great loophole of not providing truth, but just speaking empirically and with authority. I say we need to catch each other in this act and stop it. Let's snuff this despicable act of taking advantage of someone that's just slightly less intelligent. And listen, when I say it's a convention, it's not something that people probably even do consciously. And if you think I'm talking about you, it's because you are part of the status quo. But as always, when I say these things, I say them looking into the mirror. Our egos that make us oh so want to be accepted to be favorited. All the driving forces behind our cognitive dissonance. Brothers and sisters, hear me now. I wish to bring you up. And if you're looking down at me, I wish for you to bring me up. And when we can sufficiently understand each other and look eye to eye, then we can continue to climb and continue the same process with respect and love and with emotional strength and fortitude. But honestly, I can't progress. You can't progress. We cannot progress until we each look at ourselves and truly determine where we really are. Where are you really with your understanding of yourself? the people around you, and the world that you live in? Are you merely a parrot reciting things that you were taught? Are you so pinned in by your own biases that you cannot hear another person's point? Is confusion your way of dismissing or perhaps even marginalizing? It's hard for me to bring you up if you think you're already there. It's hard for me to be brought up by you if I'm not convinced you have a, a firm hold on what you're talking about. This reminds me of lifeguarding. I was a lifeguard for a little while. And one of the things you learn is that often you'll have to pull a person down deeper into the water in order to control them and save their lives. In other words, as they're floundering around, it's dangerous to try to grab them and save them then because they might actually bring you down. Let me pull you up. I'll let you pull me up. We'll take turns. It's not a big deal. Sifuzi's rule number 11, fragility is not sensitivity. And if I'm wrong, altogether possible, then hell, 
Help! Help! Integrity Radio. We are the Genuine Imitation Old News Show recorded live, sight unseen, with all the seriously funny standard deviations from the loyal opposition inside out. Integrity Radio. Thank you so much for the call, Lindsay. Uh, on the Delo station, in a segment entitled Let the Good Times Roll, I acknowledged my mistake and I apologized for it. I got shuttle and shuffle screwed up in my head, even though I'd listened to your segment 
And also part of the little running gag is that I'm always messing with Georgie D. So I was doing a gag and I did it wrong. And yeah, I embarrassed myself and I mentioned that in the segment. So I don't know if you listen to it. You don't need to if you don't want. But there is that. And that was done six hours ago. Again, I appreciate your calling, but I'm not going to put it on the Scotlow station because it just would not have any context. So if you want to send that same type of message my way on DLO, please do, because I really like having a bit of stick thrown my way. So thanks so much. I wish you well, and uh, keep up the good work. Later. Hey, Z. Enjoy the content today. I'm super excited to have some more stuff to dig into. I'm really excited to go down this rabbit hole with you. I've been very busy, so I don't have a lot of time, but I'm really interested in digging into this idea that everything is just hardwiring, that it's all just evolved neurology and that it can be mapped. And Not that I agree with it necessarily, but I'm really super fascinated by it. And then you put out the content today around biases, and that's just my hot button of all hot buttons, man. Like, it's unbelievable. Once someone in this country thinks they know something, they just die to defend it, you know, no matter how stupid or untrue it is. And I think a lot of people live truly inferior lives compared to what they could if they would just drop their biases and just be open to truth. You know what I mean? Anyway, see you, bud. Hello, Integrity Radio. I just wanted to call in and add something to anything is possible. Well, anything is possible in the right universe. If you're saying anything is anything is possible in this universe, yeah, I can see how that is uh, a false falsehood, but multiverse theories state that there are infinite universes where anything is possible in each one, but they all have their own laws. They obey those laws, but they can be different from ours. So I would say anything... Whoops, I actually dropped my phone. Aaron Traw, thank you for calling in. Or is it A-Aaron? Very confusing. But no, you're not very confusing. And I understand you completely. And I stand corrected. Yes, anything is impossible if you accept the premise of a multiverse. Yeah, thank you for adding that. But then wouldn't it be everything is possible? Not anything is possible. Hey, thanks for calling in. I really appreciate it. Integrity Radio. Oh, and now we're getting into semantical differences. The difference between everything, something, and nothing. I mean, dig, man. Somebody just busted out the multiverse. I have a confession to make. I use voice to text often. And when it misquotes me, depending on how it misquotes me, I'll just leave it at that. 
So I realized I might have glossed over too quickly. The moral of the story, or the punchline of the story, is that he offered her the last potato chip, even though it was his. That's an important part of the story. You can't miss that out. Now, I'm not quite sure if uh, this is Douglas Adams' story or if the version I heard was a Douglas Adams story revised. Hmm, I don't know. Ronnie's a big Douglas Adams fan. But she doesn't know either. <laughs> so... That's cool. I'm glad uh, The Great Everything told that story and pointed to its source. I always wondered about that. All right. Integrity Radio. D-Lo Z here. Thank you for playing that. Let's call the whole thing off. Genius. You know, that's why music is so awesome. Because as we... Uh, and why radio and music is so awesome. Because as we stumble upon our words and our emotions to, to sort of connect with other humans, we have music to turn to that never fails us. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, this is Z. And um, be careful out there. Earthquakes. Oh, man. Ah. <sighs> I feel so bad for ja for Japan cuz ah things keep happening. All right. Well, keep it together over there and uh I'll keep listening. Hey, check out Furon station. It's Japanese. I'm not Japanese, but I can still understand it and it's cool. Uh that station just played a whole bunch of Miles Davis and some, you know, awesome music. So, great music, great uh, commentary on uh, what's going on in Japan. So, uh, bang, swappity boop, bop, ding, dang, bam, there it goes. Be well. Oh, hell, D-Lo, did I not answer your question? The wonderful voice that you often hear in somewhat of the background and often right there up front is Ronnie. And Ronnie doubles as my partner in life and wife uh, and for whom we both raise three teenage boys. That's the answer to the question. Do I want a prize? Right on. Right on. Well, I think we got everybody's call-in. Nice to get call-ins. Yeah, it is. And, um, hmm, what else to say before we shut down for the night? Hope everyone has a good night. Yes, and thank you for calling in. And we won a prize. Didn't you hear for the for the most call-ins, most that most questions answered. No, for a for answering a question. Answering a question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this thunderous applause. It was 
almost broke my iPhone. <laughs> so, look, the screen is cracked. Or, oh, yeah. Well, that might have been from sitting on it, but... Um, all right. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night. Good night. <laughs>